0: Hello and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer today we'll be continuing our discussion of much ado about nothing and talking about some of the larger themes of the show i would like to thank everyone who came out for our staged reading of much ado and helping to make that a success uh, if you live in northwest ohio and would like to get involved with our organization be it to act director anything else theater related please reach out to us at facebook.com slash productions now on with the show
1: Would you like this for your Christmas
2: tree? A little, a little angler goat. goat.
1: Um.
2: Take but yeah, so I think on. you know we'll have we'll have one more to fill in before we hit. Your right? can
0: fight over
2: it. Before we hit the uh, the month where obviously we have to do our. No,
1: that, this is the thing that Jamie swallows and dies. <laughs> yeah, oh, <that's> probably.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's too small, and James will definitely. Ah, uh, nah, no, not bad.
0: I swallowed it No, nah,
2: it's gonna be Chris Chris, Chris will swallow that and die Um, yeah So, yeah, with, you know, little tokens that come on beer And then you know, all of a sudden you find Chris dead Because he ate the goat that came hanging on your beer bottle That sounds He got
0: really distracted during the raid
2: Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's eating goats
1: I did it. He, This is Michael with the snake Ka from Jungle Book Yeah And he was, he was taking it to daycare Mommy, take a picture of me with Ka. This is me with Ka. I've got Ka. I've got Ka. Can you see Ka? I'm like, oh. <laughs> so he took seventy five pictures of your
2: kid holding this toy snake. Cause he he was like,
1: You have to take it, take it, take it. I'm like, okay. He's like, let me see.
2: <laughs> Giant weirdo. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, so you know, tonight we're drinking some uh, some romantic chemistry.
1: Yeah. Are and we recording? Some
2: Angers yeah, celebrator. So somebody,
0: somebody has somebody has the view of
2: the uh, I I we've been recording.
0: Yeah, no, while. we've been recording. Ooh, yeah. We've been going for about a minute and a half. We actually opened with it's you. With me talk, talking about my... Talk about your little goat. Yeah. Oh,
1: my goat.
0: Got my goat. Chase, Chase loves doing that. Our,
2: our production man, Chase Greenlee, loves to start recording while we're just gibbiting and, and whatnot. Because I, have, I absolutely do, Ryan Halfill. It makes us seem like we're, you know, actual real people. We're not. We are, but Ro- no. robots.
1: Uh, I am an algorithm. My name is Beth Roars. Chase Greenlee wrote me, and uh, he didn't do it very well, so often I say stupid things.
0: So, yeah, we're... It's my fault. We are back... Isn't that right, wife? Cassie Greenlee.
1: Also Absolutely. an algorithm. Husband, Chase
2: Greenlee. Nobody
1: would marry Chase Greenlee. So the
2: reason, the, the reason everyone is saying their names is because we're back for episode two of the Party Bard podcast. Party
1: Bard!
3: Sorry. I'm actually drinking alcohol right now.
1: Yay! Yay!
2: Cassie's drinking tonight! She's- so yeah, I have Dogfish Head Romantic Chemistry. Beth has got a, uh, a Itch. celebrator.
3: And I have a Moscow Mule because I don't drink beer.
0: And I have a Grolch. Rolsh. Same noise going in is coming out. Rolsh. Rolsh. And then I will absolutely be moving to the celebrator because I am.
1: What makes you think you get to drink all my good beer?
0: Because uh, you brought, because it, to you my brought house. it. Yeah, you you showed up with it. Do yeah, that. you brought it here. Um, but well, Luckily yeah, so for you, we I'm are... also usually like. Mm, and yeah, you also have a, a half hour drive back to Sylvania. That's
1: cute. It's 45 minutes.
0: Ooh man, <laughs> yeah, we are we are back to do
2: episode two. We are continuing our discussion of. William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. Much you don't. That's three. In episode one, we covered uh, the the plot uh, basically Eventually. and. Yeah, we finally got through it After about about 50 minutes or so
1: If you were to watch the play It would take you almost two and a half hours
2: Well, two two and a half hours is uncut text If you 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 do not cut it It takes about two and a half hours
1: We got through the whole thing in Less than 45 minutes with all of our
2: Divergent thoughts. Yeah. We did cover some of the themes. We did bring up some things that I definitely want to get to on this episode. So what's your favorite thing you want to talk about? Um, Well, gender relations is the most important part of this particular play. And we covered some of that a little bit with uh, what we talked about originally. Uh, Talking about uh, Claudio and Hero and how they have the, the puppy love. Yeah. And you know they they're twitterpated with each other, and they they have the young you know middle school romance, and then you have the more adult. Uh, not sure how they feel about each other, but they have they have the inklings of feelings at the start of the play. Oh, they totally have they have an means. inkling of caring for one another that they hide behind brusque demeanors. Mm-hmm. Um, Benedict and Beatrice, and it takes. Basically, I don't even think it's the convincing that their friends do. It's the the fact that I think once they understand that their friends and compatriots show approval for the way they feel about each other, I think that is more what it is than the fact that they're uh, they need convinced. So- I think left to their own devices, without the the interest in their relation relationship mm-hmm. by their friends, I think they never come to any kind of fruition, no matter how they feel about each other.
1: So so with that being said, when I talk about gender relations on this podcast, as I have in the past with our secret podcasts, I always focus on the women as far as gender relations. And there are only four women in this show.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but with what Ryan just said, yeah, there's only four. I looked before I even said anything. Um, just so you couldn't bend a dick I get it. <laughs> um, uh, one, of, one of the things I want to pull up is the uh, toxic masculinity that hinders our male characters
2: and especially Claudio.
1: so with our gender relations we often talk about how the women have no power and everything falls to the men but there's also coming back from war we see men who have this um male vibrato that has to be upheld to the point where Claudio, at the moment he feels that his masculinity, that his ownership of this woman is anyway in question, he destroys
2: her. He flips his shit, yeah. He yeah. goes completely where is off it, the rails.
1: Whereas if the sweet the sweet male character who who is willing to take a woman who he has seen very very little of, and love her so completely. Um, no, if a, he but, hadn't been embroiled in this kind of uh, built-in masculinity, would he have done that to her, Benedict? If he wasn't embroiled in this, would he have felt the need to do whatever he did to Beatrice before the play even starts?
2: And That's see, so I, I think, I think, I think Benedict in is one of the characters that Shakespeare's written that does not have. Toxic masculinity. And I think he moving. gets
1: over it. We see it, and then he gets I, I, over it. He's
2: definitely there in the party scene. See, I actually don't. I don't feel that that is a a toxic response. It's not a. He doesn't have the. you know. I'm a man. I must be this way. Man, man thing. But as he, much as so much as he. But his he's been hurt and wants to avoid. Like, yes, you, you do. he does have some responses that are like, well, I, I'm a professed tyrant to their sex. He jokingly acts as if he hates women.
1: Right. Whether it's joking or not, I think, is up to interpretation. What, what I'm going to point out is that he... The words he uses, the speeches he has, before his switch to Beatrice, before they con him into admitting that he likes her, his words are the words... Of uh, a toxic masculinity. of uh, I have I, never met a woman who was worth my time. I don't want to be saddled with a woman. A woman would only drag me down. A woman
2: but we're seeing the exact terrible. same thing out of Beatrice, which is why I disagree. Now, the, Beatrice does the exact same thing. There is no man that is good enough. There is no man that is blah, blah, blah. And that, that and, and that's, that's why I think with Benedict and Beatrice, it's not so much that they are her, toxic towards men or women. It's that they are... Their, their toxicity is different. Their toxicity is because both of them, in some way, been hurt either by that previous in- interaction they had together. They were both hurt by it. It's obvious that it's not just Beatrice that was hurt by that.
1: Right, but her words don't negate his words. They, no, are, I'm not, I'm, I'm they not. are hers on her own. His words, however, are what I'm. I'm not saying that he's bought. He's so bought into it that he's not redeemable from it. What I'm saying is that Shakespeare uses him as the mouthpiece to point out, to point a direct finger at, this is the problem with what men are doing, and this is why it keeps them from happiness. If he had stayed the course with what he had said to begin with, he would have missed out on the happiness of being with Beatrice. He eventually gets over himself and ends up with Beatrice, but I believe that Shakespeare is using that character to point out this idea of a man's man.
2: Well, he's a, he's a foil for Claudio.
1: He's a foil for Claudio, but he is also a, a, just an embodiment of that kind of... It, it, before, I mean, he's, so, he's two-dimensional in it to begin with, and by the end of Act 3, after he's been fooled, he mm-hmm. grows from two dimensions to three. He starts becoming a full person because then we see him go, Oh, wait, when I said all of that... It was before I thought that, you know, I really could be happier.
2: Well, and, and I, I get where you're coming from. I'm just saying that that if if we're talking about toxic masculinity, it really boils down especially to Claudio. He is... Yes, oh uh, yeah, absolutely, the,
1: absolutely. I just think that Benedict he, is the mouthpiece yeah, of it, Cla- Claudio, Claudio
2: embodies it. Claudio is the, the basement-dwelling mouth-breather men's rights activist.
1: Oh, he's so. Mm. No, I'm, I'm oh sorry. The bastard, maybe, is the. the. But his, I'm, I'm, no, ta-
2: I'm talking based off of Claudio's name? response.
1: Don John. Are you talking Baraccio? Braccio? Braccio. He's the mouth breathing I think, basement dweller. I think as we're talking
3: about gender identity, I think it's interesting to talk about Braccio and Margaret as well and that relationship.
2: And Braccio uses <laughs> Margaret. But she knows it. No, she doesn't. She, she's not there. To the
1: extent. She's there. She's there, hearing him call her hero. She,
2: no, that, but to her, that's the. I the way I view it, it's it's a role play. It's a. She a does sex not sex game. She does not realize it, and you can see it. Like you can see it in several adaptations, especially if you watch the Branagh. When she mm-hmm. finally puts two and two together during the wedding scene, look at that actress. Yeah, she's she is shocked because she is horrified because she realized that somehow she played a part in this. She does not know that going into and it. And
3: what I really—And Boratchio
2: even says that she is yeah, guiltless. Yeah,
3: she, she's guiltless. She doesn't know he—he
2: so, he, so he they, his relation man, with her.
1: So they are having then the Lord
2: weird, of the Manor weirdest, role
1: play. The weirdest sex game.
2: They're, they're they're having they're having Lord and Lady cosplay, you know, in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, and that's exactly what it is. I don't know. Have it you ever is.
1: cosplayed to be uh, who, Don't
3: Kink Shame Beth? No king shaming
2: <laughs> Yeah, no king shaming in this podcast. I'm
1: not shaming. Uh,
2: <laughs> you are. You're king shaming I,
3: I also
1: shame staying at your ex-girlfriend's father's house after you break up with her. But... I still think that's kind of weird.
3: But what I, I really like about the whole Boraccio-Margaret thing is that after it happens, nobody blames Margaret.
2: Nobody. Yep.
3: And, and Benedict even, like, comes to her for help in yep. writing this love letter
1: to... So... Is Margaret the precursor for one of my favorite characters in Shakespeare, which is Amelia and Othello? Possibly. Because Amelia and Othello is also a guiding light mm-hmm. who is with somebody who's duplicitous, is used in duplicity, but in the end, where Margaret couldn't stand up and say, Oh, yeah, uh, actually, Claudio, um, it's me. Uh, you saw. You saw me. <laughs> so sorry about this whole wedding thing. Go ahead. You can marry her. I, it was me. I was pretending to be her. <laughs> I was kinky, no kink shaming. No kink shaming. That's weird. I'm sorry. It's still weird.
2: But no, that's, but that's exactly what it was, is she does not know. And I fully believe that she is completely unaware. And, and Baraccio, with his words, even backs that up and says she didn't know. she didn't know. Mm-hmm and and like I said you can see it in the Branagh adaptation especially because there is a shot of that actress going oh, oh fuck I I, I am I part of this
3: and uh, I, I remember Whedon's adaptation and Whedon definitely played into Margaret got the feeling that something was not quite right about this because in that one Baraccio, like takes Hero's wedding dress out and he's like wear this one Mm-hmm. Wear this one while we're having sex, and you can see Margaret being like,
2: "This oh, is this
3: is weird. I'm not sure what's going on, but okay." Uh,
2: she's she's like she's into it, but she's not like <laughs> into it. <laughs> and so
3: then, and they they play that up in the next scene when Hero's trying to decide which dress to wear, and she picks that one out, and Margaret's like, "Maybe not that one. Maybe <laughs> one of the other
1: ones." Yeah, and so I totally soiled <laughs> that last night. But, so, I but yeah, so that's, that's a I big thing
2: there. The and, and the the thing is, is is Baraccio, Not only did he betray uh, Hero and Claudio, he betrayed Mar- he Margaret. He well his trust with, yeah. that he had with Margaret because he even he, he brings it up. He's paid a thousand ducats to betray her as well because he brings he he goes. Oh, I know this uh, I know this maid Margaret that you know we've got a thing. And we can use that, yeah. and he completely leaves Margaret in the dark on it. So that's a lot of duck hats. A lot of duck
1: What's a ducket?
2: It's the night of the duck cats.
1: Oh, I love the duck cats, <laughs> <laughs> Meow, um,
2: quack. But yes, so the the that's true. the fact that Margaret is unaware uh, really really hammers home. The betrayal from Baraccio,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and how, and he is remorseful eventually. Eventually, uh, when he gets is caught. remorseful when he is once he's finally you know completely caught and everything like that. When he delivers his lines to uh, Don Pedro and Claudio, that finally like awaken the fact in their own minds that oh, we really are terrible people.
3: <laughs> for doing we should this. maybe work on that.
2: We should maybe fix this about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Baraccio is. He shows his remorse in that speech mm-hmm. to them, saying, "I did this, I am wrong, I should not have done this, you know and so it's a uh, it, it shows that at least it, somewhat one when removed from Don John, Baraccio may have a redeeming quality or two, but his betrayal is the biggest betrayal. In, in the show, because Don, what Don John does is not a betrayal. He
1: doesn't get his hands dirty. He... Well...
2: What, what Don John is not a betrayal. It does not betray the way that Don John has already been.
1: Right. Everybody right. knew what Don John was about. They knew. Don John was invited to the party because he's the prince's brother, and... And he
2: was, he was, there. was he, there. He was around, so they had to be nice to him.
1: Dad said I had to bring him to the war, and we're on our way back, so I can't really do anything with him, and nobody bothered <laughs> to kill him in the war, so... Here
3: he is. And what drives me crazy about Don Pedro and Claudio is that I
1: you were raising your hand. They
3: <laughs> they know this about Don John. Yeah. And still when he's like, hey, here's cheating on you and I can prove it, they never doubt. It never They don't, occurs yes, they, to the, they don't bother they to They never it. they never bother to go, hmm, Don John is not the most reliable source of information. That's because
2: that's because Dogberry is not actually the fool in this. It is Don Pedro. So we. Dogberry is the smartest man (laughs) in the entire show.
1: Well, and here comes another point. um, Another theme where the unreliable narrator,
2: which is Dogberry.
1: Dogberry is the one who has all of the information. He
2: has the knowledge before the wedding. Yes. That shit is gone down. So we've got somebody. And nobody will listen to him. We've
1: got somebody here who shouldn't be listened to. And we have somebody who should. Mm -hmm. And they get it wrong. Mm
2: -hmm. They listen to the guy they shouldn't be listening to, and Don John. Right. So. And they ignore the guy who has the answers.
1: Status, and why should he lie? Because he's an asshole. He lied because he's an asshole.
2: Well, Don John just, he's resentful and bitter, and he 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 just wants to fuck shit up.
1: He lied because he's an asshole. Why would Dogberry lie? Dogberry wouldn't lie. No, he's not a horrible You can't take the time to listen to him because he's so ridiculous.
2: Yes, he is incredibly ridiculous, and some of his his lines are just wonderful.
1: So we've got we've got so one of the we've talked about the the gender is a big thing.
2: Oh, the gender is incredibly important.
1: But another thing that's going on here is how we lie to each other. So we've got every moment of the play after Act One is a lie that somebody is telling someone else. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it is the lie that uh, that Beatrice is admitted to loving Benedict. The Benedict has l- admitted to loving Beatrice. Well, I mean, Beatrice.
2: The, li- the lying the lie begins straight up in uh, once the masquerade ball
1: ends. Yeah. The masquerade itself is a lie. Masquerade balls themselves are a lie because you are being someone you are not.
2: Well, and Don Pedro is pretending to be Claudio at one point. Claudio, well, pretends, Claudio be pretends to be Benedict. So there is to all. Listen of... to Don John.
1: Right. So we have all of these lies going on in it, and then one. Out of, Benedict I, I, think, be Benedict. I think I think I counted six different lies, that are substantive to the play, mm-hmm. and then there's one lie in the middle. Out of six lies, five lies are, whatever, harmless. Harmless lies. One lie, derails everything else. Mm-hmm. So out of all of these lies that are going on, uh, Benedict loving Beatrice, Beatrice loving Benedict, uh, hero being dead. And the cousin, going to marry the cousin. Uh,
2: The lie of Hero.
1: uh, The lie of Hero in the window. The lie of Pedro, Don Pedro being um, Claudio. The lie of Benedict not Not being being Benedict. Benedict. Uh, The
2: lie of Claudio being Benedict.
1: Yeah. So all of these different lies that are being told, they're all fine, right?
2: Well, they're they're all in...
1: But once we start to lie to each other... Nothing is able to be trusted correctly. No version, no one character, but Dogberry's version of the truth is solid and substantial the whole way through, mm-hmm. which is why it is much due about nothing. There, it's just a lie.
2: Because there was nothing there's that happened. So and there's so much ado about it.
1: Right. And much ado. Much ado. not
2: four. Oh. That one was mine,
0: though. But you that got it.
1: Mine. Oh. Right.
2: That was
0: mine. great. Elsie's going to be so mad at me that you got I stole kind of one. one. I stole one from her. You stole one. You don't stole think one. think You're going to hit that number. Oh, oh God. Much don't think you should die.
2: Chase we don't we, think
1: you should die. We spiked downing.
2: pretty big on that one when Chase and I got all oh
1: Either way, the the theme of lying in this play is something that it took me years to really to bother with. I'm like, what much ado about nothing? Oh so somebody called her a whore. It doesn't matter, it's much ado about nothing. No. The much ado is all of the lies that mm-hmm. everybody is mm-hmm. telling
2: the only something is the lie about whether or not she 's a whore exactly <laughs> that is that 's the only only matter of substance so
1: you 've got these these lies that help and these lies that hurt throughout the play and it seems like one act is nothing but the hurtful lie, and then all of the helpful lies that go around it
2: well there's there 's five acts of Everyone lying to each other about something in some way, shape, Four. or
1: I, said, I I maintain that nobody lies in the first act, no. unless it's
3: Beatrice and Benedict But lying they're lying to
1: themselves. To themselves.
3: Yes. yes, they are definitely lying. So themselves.
1: yeah, but that is what, a personal exactly. lie and an, uh, not an outward lie. So we'll allow it.
2: And and Act Five, the lie is that it's the cousin.
1: Yeah. So in Act Five, it is the lie that it is the cousin
2: and not Hero herself.
1: There's a lie, every other act with the first one, they are
2: well, te- they are
1: all lying to each other in some way.
2: And technically and also Leonardo lies to himself in Act One because that's the, the scene where you have Leonardo and Antonio discussing.
1: There is no character you know, except Pedro. for maybe Ursula. No, even Ursula perpetrates lies because yeah, she's she, in on the Love God scheme. She's part yeah.
2: of the, the scheming. So
1: they all every single character in this play is a liar. Mm-hmm. But the one person who never lies is Dogberry, and he is unreliable as a narrator because he's so ridiculous. Well, so and that's got, Do-
2: Dogberry, Verge's first Watchman, second Watchman, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna that forward. crew.
1: We'll just put them all together into one.
2: Yep, they never lie. The Dogberry crew.
1: Right, they never lie, but, but they're, they're are, unreliable. They're our fool. They're unreliable. We can't take what their word is. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting way of looking at it, and I don't know many other literary works in which you would see that done, where everybody is a liar, except for one person.
3: And I think what you're saying about the the lie of the cousin in the fifth act kind of shows us that
1: Because that's, Claudio, the, fri- that's yes, the friar I line. I know, that's the friar line.
3: But it shows us that Claudio has grown in some important ways when faced with the magnitude of his wrongdoing well, and but he still you're... hasn't he still hasn't grown in actual important ways because when Leonardo says well my daughter's dead but I have a niece who you've never met and I've never talked about before who looks almost exactly like here on like Clae's like yeah sounds legit okay
2: and well, so again, at, that, at that point he'd... though at that point though and it's not
1: he's not
3: making good that, choices that is not
2: your... actually that is not actually at Claudio's fault and here's why. Claudio has said to Leonardo at that point, immediately before Leonardo says that, is no matter what you tell me to do, I'm, I will do it. Yes, yes. So it's not it's not so much Claudio at that point. His growth has happened. It, yes. He has still not grown enough. No. But his growth has happened because, it, you, especially you see it in the tomb scene. Mm-hmm. Because he is remorseful and he understands that he is wrong and that he, you know, know, begins when Baraccio speaks to them and then it continues through that. And then at that point he is literally, anything you tell me to do, whatever punishment, I will do.
1: Choose your revenge yourself, impose upon me what penance to your invention can lay upon my sin, yet sinned I not but in mistake
2: and that's that's why he hasn't grown enough
1: right so like my only mistake was
3: that
2: my, my the thing i did wrong
1: <laughs> my was being had a daughter yeah. almost the copy of my child that is dead and she alone is heir to both of us. That's his not she'll apology, a, though. She'll, she'll get all my money still. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She'll get all my money still.
2: But that's his not apology. Is the yeah. sindai in mistaking. Yeah. That was yeah. his his not it's apology.
1: Well, oh, I'm so sorry. You felt hurt by what I did.
2: Yeah, I'm so sorry you got upset. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. what he's saying mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And, but so that and that's what shows us that Claudio's not grown enough. But he has grown. And it is not his fault that he mm. is fooled by Leonardo. There.
1: Well, then he starts referring to himself as poor Claudio. I do embrace your offer and dispose, for henceforth, of poor Claudio. I give you myself, poor Claudio. Oh, poor Claudio! Did you make a mistake? Well, and I, I actually, I, oh, I, look at,
2: I look at that reference a different way.
1: Oh, tell me how you look. I look
2: it. at that line as in poor Claudio being the Claudio he was before. I am dispensing of that. Claudio, Mm -hmm. and becoming the new Claudio moving forward.
3: I I guess my my point...
2: I guess that's my interpretation of that line, is not so much, and having had to play Claudio before, which is totally weird, because I'm not an ingenue uh, man who plays ingenues, ever. But thank you, Amy Reed, for making me step out of my comfort zone and play an ingenue. And because I did have a tremendous experience playing Claudio. Your
1: voice does not lend to ingenueness. It no,
2: it really needs, doesn't. It lends to death and hellfire. This voice is for, yeah. you know, battle commanders and villains and, you know. But I, guess, I
1: guess... one ping and one ping only. My, I guess
3: my point about Claudio's lack of, of growth in that final scene is not so much that, yes, he agrees, you know, I'll do whatever you want, okay, so he doesn't question, but I, I feel like... And I guess this is all really in how you direct it and how you play it, but I feel like he hasn't learned to be less gullible because I feel like he he believes what Leonardo tells him. Oh, uh, he, he's good. like he's like oh, you have an, a niece that I've never heard of before who looks exactly like Hero. Okay, that sounds good. like he still hasn't learned to question oh, yeah, what people tell he's him. He's still
2: a dummy.
1: Yeah, no, he's a dumbbell. He
2: is. He's a dumb dumb.
1: You need to drink that faster. He's a dumbbell. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only, I he's a dummy. He he's, a dummy. he's a, he's he's a, big, a
2: dummy. big old dumb dummy. And, and, and Don Pedro is not much better. No.
1: There, there are a variety of characters throughout Shakespeare's plays that we can just be like, mm, "I could throw that character out with a wash. I hate him." If Claudio is probably one of my very least favorite characters ever, he is so boring. Mm-hmm. He, like you could tell him.
2: Not Friar Francis, boring though. Friar Francis is fucking boring. I'm gonna pit. Yep. Are look, you
1: only saying that because I played Friar Francis? I, no, no,
2: I'm saying. Was I a
1: boring Friar Francis? No,
2: I'm saying that because Friar Francis's words are boring. I apologize. <gasps> I apologize oh to the God. person playing Friar Francis in the stage read because Friar Francis is boring. I've played Friar Francis.
1: Did you pat your belly the whole time?
2: The first, the first time I did Much Ado on stage for much beautiful of, kids much back adult. in like 2000 and whatever, early 2000s. <laughs> Um I played Friar Francis and Friar Francis is boring as fuck.
1: You're welcome, Chase. Enjoy that celebratory.
2: I will. This is very good. It's a good beer. It is a good beer. We we bring good beer to the Party Bard podcast. We do. And we get drunk okay. and talk about Shakespeare. We do. <laughs> That's the whole premise of this. This the whole point is you guys listening to us get drunk and talk about Shakespeare. Well, Cassie vaguely drinking maybe. Cassie, Cassie, Cassie has a drink. Party, she, she has to participate in some way. She has to have look, some.
1: She doesn't drink much, so we only need one drink, right? Hey, y'all. Yeah.
2: But in order to participate, she has to have some <laughs> alcohol at some point
0: during the recording of the podcast. Either way, also I, doesn't hurt that she has children definitely listening to this.
3: I don't drink, children.
0: You're a mage. You are legally allowed hey, to hey,
1: it's just orange juice. <laughs> <It's>
2: just... <laughs> That's some children, I am definitely not drinking orange juice. <laughs>
1: That's a way but back, way back, back. reference. <laughs> that is was... his beer does have fruit juice
2: in it. Mango and apricot even. Mm. It's called romantic chemistry. Ooh. Which is why it's fitting for talking I won the beer contest. You
1: did win the beer contest. I could not even think about it. I had never heard of that before.
2: I I did not realize that Dogfish Head had one named this, and then as soon as I saw it, I went, "Nope, that's perfect. That's exactly what I need for Much Ado About Nothing."
1: I'm really glad you saw it first because I would have bought that, being like, "Oh, that's perfect for Much Ado About Nothing," and then I would. Then you would have
2: been it. disappointed because you don't like anything that you don't like IPAs, and you don't also like anything that has any fruit flavor.
1: Well, I don't like beer that has fruit flavor. Fruit juice with fruit flavor is what
2: Beth hates. Fruit. That's the problem. It's true. All fruit. I have okay. scurvy. <laughs> everything everything from tomatoes to lemons, Beth hates it. <laughs> Fucking hates it! Throw all the fruit out! <laughs>
1: scurvy!
3: Anyway, you know, he doesn't have scurvy. The characters much to do about nothing.
1: <laughs> Just get us back on track. But no, that, yes. that you know of.
2: But yeah, no, Friar, Friar Francis, sadly, uh, I have played him, you have played him. Boring. But I you it can't, can't cut his lines because they're important. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can trim, and that's actually well, the he's... thing about that's the thing about cutting this for production because we just
0: did a stage reading of this, um, which is line, uh,
1: December first at Grounds
0: for Thought. It already happened. Yep. Yeah, by this time, this <laughs> one comes out. No, I'll, I'll I'll do a thing on the last episode. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, People already saw it. We loved it. Should have been there. Should have been there. Yeah. Watch
1: we... Watch for our next stage and reading. Hey, and hey, thanks for coming.
2: <laughs> yeah. Your check's in the mail. Chase winked at the, The, did, the he, microphone.
1: Ch- Chase has had enough beer that he winked at the microphone. You
2: You heard it. <laughs> you
0: heard it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so we we do the stage reading, and you know, like I had to apologize to the person cast as Friar Francis because Friar Francis' lines are and actually the great thing but about the
1: show they're just he is there to be uh, the, the, the narrative great, expletive. Yeah, the great thing expletive about is it. not the word because that's cussing. What am I looking for? <laughs> what word am I looking Exposition? for? Exposition.
2: Exposition. The great thing about this play is also the difficult thing about this play. You cannot. There's you can't really cut it. Because it is two and a, it's two and a half hours on its own, which for for a stage play is not long. Uncut text, two and a half hours. <laughs> the easiest person to cut is Balthazar. And the only reason to keep Balthazar is if you want the songs. The first thing I did was cut uh, Balthazar.
1: this has got the most famous song though, in Shakespeare. Yes yes, yeah, sign, lady,
2: lady, sign, sign a lady yeah, whatever. Who cares? Balthazar is terrible.
1: I care. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: um, It's the easiest cut to make.
3: It is. In the web series adaptation, nothing much to do. Balthazar is a fan favorite. Everybody loves him.
2: Mm, See, everybody... I don't know why people love Balthazar. First first
1: of all, this is the Party Bard (laughs) podcast, and you're making fun of the bard.
2: (laughs) Well, guess what? I prefer (laughs) warriors to bards. Really? Your voice
1: kind of gives that away. Thank you very much. Thanks for being your own stereotype.
2: Hey, no. The bard is usually the guy that gets picked on. I'm sorry. I'm going I I'll pick the Druid instead.
1: I like lo- Oh my god, D and D.
2: Well
0: duh, where did you yeah. think I was going when you were yeah, talking I, about I, a
2: bard? I mean, gonna, First
0: of all, I, I always play, I
1: will always I play, play the Bard because the Bard can pick locks
0: usually. Bard's real good in fifth edition, by the way. Uh, no. We're so, done. Anyway, anyway.
1: Alright,
3: well
0: you're geeky.
2: Anyway, but Balthazar is the easiest cut because the songs especially doing a stage breeding, the songs are unimportant.
3: Awesome. I like. Well,
2: I, I don't even care for that. Uh, sign no more, ladies, sign no more. I, whatever, it's not even important.
1: That's because you're neither Blythe nor Bonnie.
2: <laughs> no, the music, actually, I think the music <laughs> on The Tempest is better than than the music in this. I, like-
1: I dare you, I dare you, right now. Sing me one song from The Tempest. I don't sing. Vocalize one song no. from The Tempest. Because you can't. Because I can't sing. But. We already I covered that. Did
2: I not just say that I don't sing because I you, don't you sing? you could
1: just speak it. Just make it come out your mouth. No,
2: but all you know is, like, the first, like, three lines from one song because there's only sign three horror, lines.
1: Babe, there's always, there's only horror, three babe, lines that, are not, that show up
2: in the yeah. song. There's only, like, three lines that show up in the text one foot anyway. One
1: on sea and one on Shore. Mm-hmm.
2: The, full, the full text of the song is not in the play.
3: I like hearing what different people do with it, though. Um, I like. I think Kenneth Brown has made it this, like melancholy kind of mm-hmm. slow
1: and so did... We should make it into a drinking song. Can you make it into a West Ham drinking song? Um, so no, but I, we can do
2: roll your leg over if you want to.
1: <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe once we hit the 50 minutes, we'll do a little roll your leg like, over.
2: <laughs> uh, but I David can sing Tennant's. body drinking songs. I can handle that.
3: David Tennant and Catherine Tate, their version, you can actually buy the um, soundtrack can for Sign No More. Can watch that
1: anywhere online?
3: Yes, but you have to buy it. And I bought it at one point in my life, so I might have it somewhere. It's fine. I don't like how it was directed. Mm -hmm. Um, They they made things real slapsticky for the humor, which worked in some scenes but not in others. And they made Kill Claudio a laugh line, which I have a huge problem with. Um,
2: no, that should not be a laugh That should not D- be a laugh David line. David, T- it should. Well, the only person who should laugh at that is, is Benedict.
3: It's Benedict, and, but it, it shouldn't be a laugh line. And the whole love confession scene in that one, I love David Tennant, I love Catherine Tate, and I think they're brilliant
2: See, I've, I've never actually seen their adaptation.
1: It's,
3: it's,
2: I don't even know who Catherine Tate is, to be honest with you.
1: Do you want well, watch Doctor Who? No, he doesn't. Okay, then you wouldn't. He's the worst.
0: Um, no, I, I, did you, did you watch any Sherlock Okay, she's yeah. Not uh, in she, Sherlock. She, she's she was, not in Sherlock. She's not in. Wasn't she in the? the what was, Who do you think Catherine Tate is? Isn't she the one at the end? What was it? Uh, the she's the third Donna. episode. The third episode with the, the the reporter lady.
1: No, no, it's
0: Donna. Then who's Catherine Tate? I thought that was Donna. Donna, Donna Noble. Yeah, Don yeah that Noble. was. Oh, you know what? No, I'm confusing her with the lady from the IT crowd. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Um, okay. either way, either way, but, I don't know who she is. But Chase they, is fired. They made. We can't fire
2: Chase. It. The guy who knows how to do this.
0: I was gonna say it's like I, I, I can hit the stop button right now, and
2: this he's no, the no, you cannot fire Chase. He's the guy. <laughs>
3: But they made Sino more this like really upbeat dance number, and I think that's what they dance to at the end. I've,
1: the, I've seen Sino
3: more lady Sino more men were deceivers ever. And you can buy the soundtrack with David Tennant singing that song, and it so makes my heart happy.
1: Here's why it's not a throwaway: because men are deceivers. Men
3: are de- men were deceivers ever. One so foot again, on sea and one on shore, and one. But kick the music on is unimportant ever.
2: to the plot. It is unimportant.
1: It it's is, parallel it follows through through the plot, but it describes the main theme that he's talking about. Yeah, but about. you
2: don't need it to describe the main theme. That's why when doing a stage reading, the this, first thing okay. I thought was Balthazar.
1: You need it to tell the layperson what this play's about. So the penny...
2: No, because it doesn't happen until Act 3. Balthazar is not in the play right. until... The groundlings right. are there for Act Three Two and they're gonna be like, Oh yeah." Yeah but you don't you don't No tell... are deceivers ever. Look at all these people fucking final. No, 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 no. It is unimportant because it happens so late in the play. You're halfway through the play before You're you get to Sino More Ladies Sino More. So it is it is you know Balthazar appears in the masquerade scene, but there's no there's no the, the it happens in the garden scene. She's looking to see how far
1: into the play I it am. I'm trying because I thought it, it was
2: uh, No, it is not early on.
1: Believe you, because you just did read-throughs of it, so your familiarity with the text as a whole spoken word
2: is... But Baltazar is an easy cut, and the other easy cut is the the subplot right. where Don Pedro, where Leonardo believes that Don Pedro is actually after Hero.
1: I will give you that those are easy cuts to make.
2: Everything I, else is really hard to trim.
1: I will checkmark you on that, that it is a difficult piece to trim if you need to trim it. What I'm saying is that that is because th- there is not... A lot of
2: suet in this. No, no. If There's I was not doing a lot a, if of if I was fat. If I was doing a full stage version, I would not cut Balthazar. Because, and part of the reason no, But is, not because he's important, but because... Why cut him? Well, the... <laughs> he's not important. He's unimportant. The music is unimportant to the piece.
1: The music is unimportant to the piece as a whole, but when viewing the themes... Of the piece, then the music becomes important because it does But
2: if you're trying to if you're trying to tell the theme in the third act, then you've already waited too long.
1: No, because then you've got people (sighs) built up to what's going on and then you're like, oh my gosh, I just made a connection. You need to are supposed to make
2: that connection in the beginning. No,
1: you need you need point A and point B so that or you can need point A and point C the two you can put in point B in the middle and make the connection. that didn't make
0: a lot of sense no, no. yeah, I, was, you, I, I you
1: have to have something established if you're going to make a connection you can start out in the middle and be like hello this entire piece is about lies or you can let it build up and be like see how all these people are but lying see, and the other, other, other reason
2: I disagree is men were deceivers ever it's not just the men the women are deceivers ever as well
1: you're, you have a point but it's still
2: you know how hard it was for her to say that did you see how hard it was for Betsy to say that I had a point that was a
1: pregnant pause I'm not pregnant
2: that pause was was 8 months pregnant though
1: it was I am not pregnant but that (laughs) pause was pregnant Uh, because it's very difficult for me to admit
2: it it, it very rarely happens it must be no
1: you know what I bet you could roll back and you'd see that I admit that Ryan has points often
2: but you no know, you you are both been very fair to each there's, other. Yeah. There's been a lot less bickering than I expected there to be, but this is also well, a congenial I mean, piece. When
1: we when it was decided that we would do the podcast, it's because we argue best. And by that I mean often.
2: What well, but the way we argue with each other is the fact that we both we, know we're awesome. High five. Yeah. We're willing to accept when we're when we're wrong. It's just hard I'm, to get us to admit. I'm not
1: it. accepting that I'm wrong. I'm
2: No, it's hard. Like I said, we're willing to accept that we're wrong. It's just hard to get us to admit it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it definitely Wait. points to the theme of the play. There's no way around that. It does point to the theme of the play.
2: Yes, but I think you've already gotten the point by that point.
1: One would hope, but not everybody is as intelligent. Well,
2: not okay. You not know what? everybody. Ryan okay, stop. Not everybody needs Balthazar, Beth. You big dummy.
1: Not everybody needs it, but Ryan. Not everybody's as smart as you, and some people need to be led a okay, little bit more. Okay, yeah, now
2: you're being sarcastic.
1: I know. Also, <laughs> I figured maybe if I called you smart, you'd shut up.
2: No, I'm gonna sign no more right up in your face.
1: <laughs> you are such a benedict.
2: <laughs> Guess what? I don't care if I've been a You're being a biatch. <laughs> Beatrice? <laughs> Beatrice. Oh, jeez. This is... Can't take you guys
1: anywhere. <laughs> you didn't. even Chase, apparent- Chase
2: is apparently our dad now, and he cannot take us uh,
0: anywhere.
1: Are you going to threaten to turn this podcast around?
0: Uh, no, I do that enough at work. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but I, I get... I
2: get well, why, why you want the Baltimore. biggest
1: argument we've gotten into, into Shakespeare period, since this has started, is whether or not the song is necessary, slash, does point to the theme of the play. Whether, why whether, is this the contentious <laughs> point? <laughs>
2: Because but, I hate Balthazar. I, I don't care about Balthazar. You, you obviously don't. care about Balthazar. He you're away. you're I dying like, on this hill. I am. You're, this is Hill 319 for you. This is not fucking Vietnam. <laughs> you know, there are fucking rules.
1: First of all, let's not bring Vietnam into
2: the. But you are. You've chosen to die on the Balthazar Hill. It's
1: not Balthazar, it's the song. So give the song to someone else. It's, the song isn't important. Give it to Ursula. Ursula could easily sing it during that scene, and it would be just fine. Because Ursula does nothing.
2: She does nothing. No, Ursula does plenty.
1: Give a little more agency to Ursula. Them. Ursula
2: is more important than Margaret early on. Tell tell me what yes. Ursula does. Ursula is a huge part of the convincing because Margaret okay. is sent away for the convincing scene. So it Ursula, is all it is all hero and Ursula.
1: So Ursula convinces in the positive, and Margaret convinces in the negative.
2: Yes. That's their points because Ursula is part of the convincing Beatrice scene because Margaret is sent away right at the beginning of that B- and that entire garden scene where where Beatrice is convinced is all hero and Ursula.
3: yeah I had forgotten that, but you were right
2: Yeah Margaret gets sent off like right away because Margaret is sent to bring Beatrice to the garden yeah and that's her only part of that scene. Everything else is Hero and Ursula talking, letting themselves be overheard by Beatrice.
3: I love that the two convincing scenes do not happen simultaneously, because I really like the scene in between them where one is convinced and the other one isn't. Because
2: it's where where Beatrice Beatrice comes to get
1: come to dinner against my will. Against my will is is the important
2: part of that line because Benedict takes that that against my will means something to him because he is convinced that she loves him and so when he hears against my will I have bid come send you in to dinner he's like oh that means something yes and is
3: amazing he's all like
2: hmm there's meaning in this <laughs> and she's like I am not happy that I am here because she hasn't had her own convincing scene yet right and so but he's all like up? So,
1: and she is. And all, she's all like, she's like, "Why are you acting so
3: weird? Uh, why
2: are you looking at me? What the hell
1: is going on? Why are you looking Nothing's at me? Like, what's up? That? You, what's up with you? Why?" And
3: are you she eventually, she eventually ends it by going, "If you don't want to come in and eat food, then you don't have to. You I'm, must
2: I'm, not I'm, be hungry. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out. with this." Yeah, she pieces out. She's like, "You, you must not be hungry." So she pieces out.
3: And I just, I love watching that those scenes being staged because I just love the physical comedy and hijinks that directors always have
2: oh, and Beatrice and
0: Benedict getting, behind, getting up to yeah. in the
1: background
3: so we and think so much about the
0: how
1: funny this play is but it's also super fucking sad because we do have to have somebody die not for real yeah. but someone's life is destroyed for a while it's true it's but, no, it but it's super funny right it's one of the funnier plays. Dogberry's yes. hilarious. All of this physical comedy between Betty Dick and Beatrice is hilarious. Well, it's... It's very funny, but at the same time, this other woman who's just there...
2: So you want to talk oh, about the tragedy, meow?
1: I, t- I do want to- <laughs> Well, and I, I unfortunately no longer want to talk to you now. <laughs> It's
0: yeah, pretty, a, it's an pretty much full-on uh, funny. You waited on that
2: there. I know.
1: <laughs> I cannot believe you waited so long for that.
2: What is, I had to, everything's cyclical. Everything's
0: cyclical. What is interesting uh, I'm back about to, within two episodes? That's right.
3: I think there's some really interesting parallels between Much Ado About Nothing and Romeo and Juliet because Romeo and Juliet is a comedy up through the end of Act Three. It is. Yeah. And I think the same is true. I mean, this one's a comedy throughout because everybody gets married at the end. But
2: well, no, it is. It would make it a romance if it was. But it doesn't take place over three days. This one is a comedy because it ends happy.
3: Because it ends happily, but I think it follows that traditional just comedic format up until again Act Three, and then Act Four is really the turning
1: point, and
2: then you've
3: got
1: the parallel of the
3: Act
2: Four is where shit hits the fan, yeah, because that's the wedding.
1: Well, there's also. What, another thing that makes this a comedy is that there are no consequences.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Nobody's inaction or action...
2: Except for Don John. Him. But he leaves. But he is caught and returned to Messina. And because that's like one of the... It's like the, the second to last line of the play... It's a throwaway. Yeah.
3: We caught your brother. And Don Pedro's like, we'll deal with that later.
2: And then, then, then Benedict goes, play some music, bitches. <laughs> but there's
1: basically no consequence for mm-hmm. anything that happens. Yeah. This woman's life is almost destroyed. This family's reputation well, no, is the are One uh, of uh, the consequences,
2: There's consequences that are brought up just advance the plot. The consequences that Claudio faces are you still get to marry Hero. <laughs> Like yeah, you get to yeah. you get to marry hero anyway. You,
1: you still get to do what you were gonna do. You yeah. also get to marry prince. You should find you a wife. Uh, Margaret forgives you, and everybody's happy. But I think let's dance.
3: I think that if much ado about nothing was about. Claudio and Hero. It would play much closer to that Romeo and Juliet line, and it's the addition of Beatrice and Benedict as the actual focus, because they're the characters who grow.
2: So that's and they're what, also the most important characters in the yeah, plot.
1: Yeah, when you say much do about nothing, who's the main characters? Everybody always says... It's
2: Benedict and Beatrice.
1: But the plot is not The plot, plot is not. It is
3: centered Oh,
2: no, around Benedict and Beatrice of the MacGuffin. They're the foil to the plot.
3: Yeah. And and I it's think not what a MacGuffin
2: is. Oh no, yeah, they are. The plot, they are what they pull. They pull you away from the plot.
3: And I think what's important about that structure. I gotta get my words together for this.
1: She's <laughs> had enough of Moscow mules. I think what's important Welcome about Welcome to the Game. Beth, <laughs> Beth is, Beth is, our,
2: <laughs> Beth is over here. Oh yeah. Thanks, Beth for serenading us with your.
1: Not a problem, Ryan Dick. But I think that's important. <laughs> that
0: was terrible. I called you a dick. I'm that happy. was garbage. The, is... Russian judge, the, the Russian judge gives you zero. Uh,
1: the, rough, the Russian judge is harsh. The German judge gave me a ten.
2: No, no the German, unless the German judge is as drunk as well, you. he at least
1: gave me eight beers,
2: so... <laughs> Anyway, I, anyway, so Cassie was trying to say. Cassie was trying to speak.
3: <laughs> I think what's important about about the structure is that the plot doesn't have a lot to do with Beatrice and Benedict, but it is about the circumstances that cemented their relationship. Because honestly, if the whole thing going down with H- Hero and Claudio hadn't happened, I don't feel like they would have actually cemented themselves in No, because- place.
1: can you think though so of any other story in which the main focus characters are not the plot-driving characters. This is such an abnormality as far as storytelling mm-hmm. goes, because this would this would be akin to having the actual characters of Harry Potter... Being the Hufflepuffs? Being the Hufflepuffs, yeah. <laughs> we saw that show. We saw that show. It's yeah. called Puffs. It's, it's called the Puffs. But, So yes, I can think of an example of what you're but, saying. But It's is, called Puffs. It, yeah, this but is it's, a, an, it's an oddity, and it's... It is. It is. Well,
2: show. it's... 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 Inigo and Fezzik. Driving the plot of the Princess Bride You know, it, it's they're, Them, like, say say you're to, to show it As they were the main focus Inigo and Fezzik over here And the plot driving characters Being
0: Wesley and If and there's a Potter
1: comment Cup. section on our podcast Which I don't know if that's a thing You know what, I, I haven't actually
0: delved Into the uh, Squarespace uh, What what that's going to look like on the website But we right? may be able to have comments.
1: If there's a comment section, leave a comment If you can think Of a single other piece of literature where the non... Where the main characters, where the main focal characters are not the driving plot characters. Because I think it's an oddity. And if there's not
0: not a comment section on the website, there's definitely a comment section on our Facebook page. Yeah, where you could go and make comments on Facebook. Yeah, and this is definitely going to be on the Lion Face Productions Facebook page. Uh, Because you
1: you take these two people out, and the plot could
0: continue Close, It
1: could continue. Close, yeah. It could continue, but it idiot. becomes yeah.
2: stupid and oh. awful, and nobody oh, wants no, to watch. The, oh, the, the show becomes terrible. You then did, it's Indiana it's
1: Jones a, and what a, the, cr-
2: the Crystal Skull, the one no,
1: that didn't, the one that that didn't was, exist. Quiet beard. The
2: one they didn't make. They've only Wait, made three Indiana Jones movies. The
1: beard is talking, and I need it to not be.
2: The beard talks when the beard wants. <laughs> Bethesar.
1: Bethesar.
3: But I actually yeah. think if you took Beatrice and Benedict out of the, the plot show becomes terrible. In, well, <laughs> yeah. it becomes terrible, but also I think because no Benedict Because Benedict becomes the voice of reason, I think it ends much
2: yeah, there's more, a, more horribly. Yeah. Well, yeah. There it becomes a tragedy. If you remove Benedict and Beatrice, this play is a tragedy. It is Romeo and Juliet. They
3: are what make it a comedy.
2: So like you remove them, be, the hero actually dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ugh, oh, or just nothing happens. Or of. she ends up in a nunnery, as Friar Francis suggests. If this goes wrong, send her to a fucking convent. Get her to a nunnery. Because that's what Friar Francis' other option is. It's either this works, or she's going to have to live out her days in seclusion as a branded whore. <laughs> that's Friar Francis.
3: Oh, there was a point in that that I wanted to make. Also about virtue so, and purity, and, either way, and that
1: and the, the, to, the, this is not Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the Indiana Jones I was thinking.
2: About. Okay, I thought you were trying to reference yeah. the one that was never actually released.
1: No, because if you take Indiana Jones out of Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark, the exact same thing happens. Well, yeah,
2: because the idiots take the thing to the island and they murder themselves anyway.
1: <laughs> For the <laughs> horn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did somebody just? I I believe the Horn of Gondor has been called. (laughs) Yeah, I
2: must answer the horn. Rohan
1: ride.
2: Somebody call
1: the banners.
2: Sorry, I need need to saddle up my horse and ride out with the (laughs) Rohirrim now.
1: That'd be so. Can I call you Ahammer?
2: Hey, Aoimir, I'd love to be Aoimir. He's great, except I, he's an idiot I, for a I, while, I but made, he eventually figures. I
1: made out. the argument the that's other day support. that the two that's characters true. of logic in the Lord of the Rings are Aowen and Aomir. Yes, that so they are the two mm-hmm. characters that drive the force of logic mm-hmm. throughout
2: those pieces. Well, my favorite character in all the Lord of the Rings is Boromir, but that's a subject for a totally different.
0: Totally different. Totally part. different. I mean, look, at least another episode. Uh, his brother was better.
2: No, <laughs> Faramir Fer- is not the equal of the character that Boromir is and uh, we can't talk about it now but we will <laughs> <laughs> I mean look and eventually Faramir is too eventually different. we're going to yeah, run out of Shakespeare want, I want, yeah, so I
1: want the podcast listening audience to we're see what will happen quiet is... for a second the beard's talking again that here on Ordway in about 20 minutes Ryan Halfill and I are about to get into a large argument about uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> the, and it's going to be awesome the thing I feel about bad the, for the Greenleys already
2: the, the thing about the thing about this Shakespeare podcast is Yes, we are going to do episodes that cover every Shakespearean play, even Troilus and Cressida and Cymbeline. Yeah, Cymbeline. Yeah. Hit the apocrypha. The, yeah. The, the,
1: the problem there is that I have to then read Cymbeline. <laughs> I know. We, uh,
2: will, we will. We will cover every Shakespearean play, but eventually we're not going to run out of material because then we get to do things like Jane Austen. No. No.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, I want to make him
2: read Pride and Prejudice no,
0: so
2: this, bad. No, the, the Party Bard podcast will deal with Shakespeare. It will then be, though, we will be able to look at themes from multiple Shakespearean plays and combined episodes where we can talk about how this works with, you know, between Hamlet and Macker's or, or things like that as opposed to or just even, covering a specific Or play. even
1: how Shakespeare has influenced... Different genres. How yes. Shakespeare? We always say um, H. G. Wells was the birth of science fiction. I think that we could argue that science fiction and fantasy started much sooner than that, especially science fiction. Yeah, Mary
0: I mean, Shelley, Kafka. You got? I mean, at any rate, you T- got
1: uh, Christopher Marlowe with Faust.
3: Yeah, I was going well, about yeah. to say, uh, saying, yeah,
0: Dr. We, have, we have a very very early version of uh, sci-fi on our own website. Yes. Yeah, it gives me have the our production. I
1: knew what you were saying. I um, just didn't have anything witty to retort, so I was just... Anyway,
2: we are getting far afield. This, this podcast will exist past simply talking about each one of Shakespeare's plays. Mm-hmm. We'll be able to get into a lot more themes and how, like, the themes of the romances all intert- intertangle with each other, or the way that the tragedies developed from the time of... Well, from, from Titus to Hamlet. Well,
1: even how, Because
2: Titus being his first tragedy, you know. There too.
1: are plot points that come through, such as uh, Cassie mentioned the plots of Much Ado, a lot of the different plot There's points.
2: S- the incredible similarities between Much Ado and Romeo and, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. I, I know, one is a comedy, is... one is a tragedy, but they have one huge Many. signifying. But she I
1: mean... mentioned three different things mm-hmm. that are vastly correlative. Coral- nope. Correlated? Coral-
2: him. Nope, not a word. <laughs> She's just making up words.
0: I look, it, I it, is
1: it is Shakespeare. It is Shakespeare. It is Shakespeare. And Shakespeare everything. was
2: the king of inventing words. Yeah. Uh, um, well, Beth is making up words.
1: Making up animals. Um, but there are at least three solid correlations that you made between yeah. Much Ado and... Uh, Romeo and Juliet and that's not that's not where it's going to end and we can talk about things like how comedy of errors is stolen from the monochmi and things like that there are lots of things that we're going to be able to delve into that are going to be more than just the theme of this piece or the theme of that piece but how how does he run the theme but I mean, of, we are
2: gonna have what is it? of gender
1: how does it go through it how does mm-hmm. the theme yep. of lying mm-hmm. go through it I like mean, we
2: are going to have what you know 37
1: is it 37 yeah and we could get
2: bored 37 episodes just from the plays, just each individual play, before we even delve into the fact that.
1: Let's hope you don't get mad at me before 37.
2: uh, I'm sure that we'll be mad at each other before 37. We're mad at each other now.
1: I'm not. We
2: gotta save some
1: of the
3: the big, powerful ones for that uh, list, because otherwise we're gonna get through all the fun ones and then
2: we'll just. Look, we're not. We are saving. We're saving Mackers. For a while, yeah, mm-hmm. we're not
1: ready to do it yet because it's going to be a good one. We're
2: saving Hamlet for a while. Macker's
0: maybe two months. Same with Hamlet.
2: Yeah, we may actually have to do uh, like four episodes. A I piece think you'll for be surprised,
0: but I... we'll see. We'll see how it goes we'll when we when we we'll start th- to record those. I-, I can't wait to talk about the choose-your own adventure Hamlet. <gasps>
1: And the Choose Your Own Adventure Romeo and Juliet. I, I bought oh. the Choose Your Own Adventure Hamlet. I'm so excited I haven't finished it all the way through, but I keep leaving it out hoping that I'll start it. <laughs> all
2: right. Anyway, anyway, we still do have a text that we're working yes, on. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, we should do. Uh, but we've actually covered quite a bit of this. So, um, what haven't we covered? What's still
3: uh, in here? Implications of purity.
2: Yes. Oh, and That's goodness. where we were getting. That's what yeah.
3: Cassie oh was trying to get to. Yeah, eventually. Um, one of the things that's always stuck out to me is when when Claudio first denounces Hero at the wedding and says his basic argument is this woman is not pure I will not marry her because she is not pure and Leonardo's first response is Dude, if you had sex with her before you married her, that's okay. I'm willing to overlook it.
2: Well and... and, <laughs> but and, and if, exactly. you, if
1: you bumped and... her and then you're not willing to take her because you sullied her, yep. you're a dick.
2: And Claudio and Claudio goes, it is not because I did it.
1: Yeah. I never pressed her with word too much. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, but
2: some... but brotherly brotherly love or whatnot. Yeah. And love is yeah. whatever, I don't know, Philadelphia.
1: And and it always struck me that,
3: that
2: yeah,
1: uh, hero not itself not. can blot out hero's virtue. What man was he? Talked with you yesternight out the window betwixt twelve and one. Now, if you are made answer to this,
3: and it's it's I just I talked with no one. I, I it always just struck me as. I mean, it's it's that whole idea of so much importance about your virtue and your character being put on... Well, because your male,
1: your heirs yeah. are based on you want your children to be your children if they're going to continue your line. And
2: That's how you end up with Don John the Bastards. It's
1: true. It's, that's what they're concerned about. Is yeah. that their seed, their essence, isn't going to be part of the next generation. Well, they, they, because they, it matters so freaking much. And women... That's why women are so subjugated throughout history. It's because you can't control what grows in my uterus unless you can control me. Yeah. Ooh. that was really harsh. Which
2: is how we end up. With, yeah. You know, it's, surpri- <laughs> it's surprising how progressive the Vikings were about women, actually, when it comes to.
0: That. How long do we have to make it? <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we're almost at two hours. Two, uh, two hours before Viking before he, talk. Two hours before he brought up Vikings.
1: High five.
2: What well, you're talking That's, about no. matriarchal society, but women...
1: I was bringing up the Romans, which were a matriarchal...
2: Unfortunately. Uh, I don't know, Roman, the Romans were not a matriarchal society.
1: They were a patriarchal society with matriarchal lines. Family yes, lines are denoted by the yes, matriarchal Yes, they could society. pass
2: down the matriarchal side, yes.
1: Um, unfortunately, that had to be cut earlier because you peed at the door open.
2: We, they, whatever. But, no, because women could own property and things like that in in Viking culture, and women could be the head of household and things like that. So, and this is something... Since we're talking about it, it is relevant.
1: It is relevant. Um, But but when we're discussing that purity, that virtue, Mm -hmm. that is something that we are still, as women, dealing with right now. Oh, yeah,
2: slut-shaming is a... Huge topic beyond
1: slut shaming, but
2: no, it is still a huge topic now. Yeah,
1: the, yeah. Yes, well, but beyond slut shaming, which is a huge topic right now, is the control of women's health, the control of women's body. The, fact, well, the that, fact
2: that the fact that men should not be citing what women's vaginas can and cannot do is the. I mean, it's asinine. You know, we should not mm-hmm. have to pay for boner pills. You know,
1: but but what <laughs> I is like explain more,
3: man. But what I like about the way that Shakespeare structures this and It goes back to what I was saying about Margaret and how she is responded to in the aftermath of all of this because I think Shakespeare was very feminist in the way that he approached a lot of things. And this shows because the people who sully Hero's name are very clearly shown to be in the wrong. Yes. And not even so much because she didn't do it as because of the way that they handled it if she had done it but also then you get the display of Margaret and how she is not blamed for what happened and she's not shown having that fall from grace and it's not maybe not in the context of the play quite as important for her since she's not you know the heir trying to marry she's
2: not she's not super important
1: but at the same time Shakespeare does often often
3: not
2: always
1: not always but often
2: well, and I think it's incredibly important in this piece specifically
1: give us feminist characters mm-hmm. to look at Amelia, which I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. is a wonderful feminist character who's able to stand up to her uh domineering husband
3: um, and then she dies
1: and then she dies oh, viola and
3: hamster okay viola
1: smooth jams. Uh, <laughs> smooth jams smooth jams smooth jams <laughs> uh, 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 Rosaline. Yes, Rosaline's a big one.
2: She but yeah, Vi- Viola is definitely also a big mm-hmm. one as
1: yeah. well. So, we've got these wonderful... Beatrice. Feminist Beatrice. Oh, yeah. Wonderful feminist characters that portray themselves. Hero is not And even one.
2: Kate.
1: Even Kate.
3: Yes. We'll
2: talk
1: about Kate. that in
2: depth when we get to yeah. when we get When we get to Taming, we will have a lot of discussion yes. about... Taming Maybe a 2 month there. <laughs> it could be. Well, it could be. There's a lot to cover in There's
1: a lot of feminist theory that has been written, discussed, and published about Kate. She is an important figure, so is Rosaline, important figures um, in the growth of the feminist ideal. Mm-hmm. Because you need to have the the education and the wit. And Hero does not have that. she is not that
2: smart. Well, I
1: Margaret, I will argue... Is is a feminist figure in some aspects as she is all she is in control of her own sexuality. Yes, here is a woman who enjoys sex, is willing to partake in whatever. What did you call it? Kinkery.
0: Don't kink no, shame. I, I do not kink kinkery. Do not kink But shame. she's
1: willing to participate in something outside mm. the normal sex. And outside the confines of marriage because it's something she enjoys. And she doesn't make apologies for that. She makes apologies for the fact that she didn't know it was going to destroy anything. And she didn't know that what she was doing was meant to be part of this. She never once apologizes for her relationship.
3: No. No. And I love reading this scene. This is Act 5, Scene 2. Between her and Benedict because she goes, like... She spars with him verbally in yeah, much mm-hmm. the same way that Beatrice does. Yeah. She's and not, she
2: doesn't as witty she's not
1: she's
3: as witty. Way
2: more bawdy than Beatrice.
1: Yes. Well, and that but, has a lot to do with the upbringing as well of the characters. Um because Margaret is a maid Beatrice would have been an educated woman.
3: Yeah. Yes. But so so Benedict tells her, "Thy wit is as quick as the greyhound's mouth; it catches." And her response is, "And yours as blunt as the fencer's foils, which hit but hurt not." <laughs> so like that's a really good exchange. <laughs> um, and then when Benedict says, a most manly wit, Margaret, it will not hurt a woman," her response is, "Give us the swords; we have bucklers of our own." We do. Have bucklers you know. And around. so so she, I got a shield. She holds her own. And. I like that about her. I like that about
2: Margaret. Yeah, oh yeah. And Margaret Margaret does have redeeming qualities. Yeah. And she is by being unaware of what she's involved in, how she is how she is redeemed. Yeah. She she's completely unaware of what she's been a part of.
3: She's as much a victim in this as Hero is and she is
2: she is in no way blamed.
3: Right, and I for love For
2: her victimhood. I love that. And it's incredibly important. Whereas on the other side of that coin, Hero is victim blamed completely by by Everybody. everyone. Oh, not everyone. Well, not Beatrice. Not Beatrice. And not, and Benedict. not
0: Benedict.
3: And I think that's really And that's incredibly
2: important. That's a very incredibly important distinction is that Benedict does not blame Hero.
3: Benedict, I love, I, and I've, I said this last episode, I love that Benedict becomes the voice of reason in mm-hmm. this because everybody's flying off the handle. Claudio and the Prince are flying off the handle. Then
1: Beatrice Leontes flies Leonardo. off the handle.
3: Beatrice flies off the handle and he's the one going, can we all, and, can we talk to Hero? I think he's really the first one who says, let's, let's, let's go to her, the
0: source yeah, let's and ask see if we can lady. unpack
1: this. Actually it was the Friar. Was <laughs> It's the Friar who first talks to Hero?
2: But but Benedict is the voice of reason. Yeah. The Friar is boring. Benedict being the voice of reason is incredibly important. Yes. And and the fact that he does not in any way shame Hero is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Because it's part of that uh the 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 growth of Benedict.
3: Because he starts to play, you know, saying, women are gross. I'm going to be a bachelor forever. And he gets upset with Claudio for falling in love with somebody. Yes, he's like, because we had gonna, a sacred hoping,
1: bond.
2: He's hoping that Claudio is going we, to be his bachelor buddy.
1: We were going to be bachelors <laughs> forever. Women are gross. He's
2: like, oh, come
1: on, man. We are going to, like,
2: play Xbox. Weren't they in the man,
1: what it was, a woman-haters- what
2: is the oh, He-Man Haters Club? <laughs> yes, yes, the He-Man Woman Haters Club from Little Rascals. Yes, <laughs> that yes, that's, that's what they're. That's what they're. That's in. They're Benedict in the, the, at
3: the beginning yeah. of of the play, and yes. to see his growth from there to the end is wonderful. And seeing the ways in which it kind of people are able to poke fun at him for it in the future.
2: Oh, it, it, you may paint, uh, you know, a garish sign of me, hang horns on my head. And, and say, but here, lies this sign. here lies Benedict, Benedict the, the married, married man. man.
3: And, and, and then there's the interesting parallel between the Act 4 teasing of Act 4. It might not be Act 4. The two teasing scenes of Benedict. The first one where he's talking to Don Pedro and... Claudio when he's calling them out, and they're trying to tease him about this, and he's... Oh,
2: that, is, know, yeah, like this. that is act four. Yeah, yeah act post, four. Post-wedding, act four.
3: Post-wedding, and then at the very end of the play, when they're all teasing him, he's like, look, look guys, look guys.
2: Look.
1: I'm sorry. It was such a d-bag before, yeah. but for real. But come on.
2: Get I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. Get your yeah. life. Yeah,
1: and he and he, and I that
3: turnaround is so I love the character of Benedict because of that because he you do see such substantial growth from him.
2: And he is he's one of the best male characters. Mhm. Especially a because romantic it's like male, full character. male character. Yeah, especially especially a romantic male mm-hmm. character, which uh, you don't. Yeah, I mean,
1: you could, there are other satisfying male characters that are out there that are, uh, in Shakespeare, sorry, in Shakespeare that are still two dimensional. Crucio is a satisfying male character, but he's two dimensional. Romeo
2: is two dimensional,
1: but, but not, not satisfying. Dimensional. Dimensional. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say not satisfying.
2: <laughs> Romeo is one dimensional.
1: I'm, I'm gonna say, uh, but of satisfying characters, Crucio is satisfying one dimensional. Tybalt. Is not. I don't find Tybalt satisfying. Right? I do. He's just Tybalt the,
2: is incredibly satisfying. If we're talking
1: about being one-dimensional, there's a two-dimensional character there between Romeo and Tybalt. They just happen to be the same character. It's two sides of the same coin. Yeah.
2: Um, They're just irritating to me. Th- no, but as far as as far as satisfying and also multi-dimensional... Right. Uh, Benedict. Macduff. Yeah. Because and and only only because of how
1: can you Macbeth is also a three dimensional character yes. and is satisfying. Yes.
2: Well, no, I was going to get to there. I was going yeah, to get to Macers himself, Macduff, and actually the only reason you know Duff is satisfying as well because he is driven, and most of what you see is two dimensional from him, except for the scene when he finds out about his family. And how important his family is mm-hmm. makes him multi-dimensional. Is all it, my all my pretty chickens in the dam at one fell swoop.
1: From Titus is it Aaron?
2: Aaron the, Mor- the
1: villain. Yeah, He's, I find yes. him to be a satisfying and rounded. Oh, he
2: character. is he is satisfying and rounded. Mackers himself.
1: But Titus is not. Titus is not a satisfying and rounded character. I disa-
2: I disagree wholeheartedly when I, we get I, to I, talk I, when we get to talk about Titus and because we'll Titus is one, be one of my favorite. Shakespeare plays it's one of my favorite tragedies and I fucking love Titus we'll do it in a
1: few months because I think Aaron is a better character than Titus I I... completely disagree let's spar that sounds like fun oh yeah I
2: think we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about that because I'm gonna murder you with that
1: (laughs) if I am found dead
2: not literally <laughs> Jesus it, woman
1: it was Ryan Alexander Hatfield
2: <laughs>
1: even if it was natural causes
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh great <laughs> great now you're gonna have a heart attack and they're gonna come looking for me <laughs> Hey, how did you heart attack this woman? <laughs> <laughs> with Gus.
1: Oh, baby,
0: you gave me a heart attack years ago. All right,
2: we're done with it. That, that was terrible. Uh, I don't even know what just happened. Uh, you just got think. I think, I think on that south note, where are we at? Time we're,
0: we're actually sitting at uh, about an hour and 13 minutes. So that's a pretty good place for us wow, to Wow, we my really, time.
2: yeah, we really. David are all on this uh, this second episode here. No, I just me just too. It was a big. I would
0: keep going and well, honestly
1: it, there's a reason that this play is done so much. There's a reason there's so many adaptations. There's a reason we keep coming back to it this and that's because has... it is so satisfying. It's satisfying
3: the, and, tr- and it's me. I think we we'll, I
2: think we will revisit much to do about nothing. Often. At some point, but, yeah. I mean, especially when we start talking about other themes, especially when we do an episode that's completely about gender relations and Shakespeare, this play will come up and probably lead the. the... I'm
1: excited for our favorite lovers because they're going to come back up. You just, you just took away,
2: you just took away my favorite.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. I moved my own script. Um, but if you are I interested still in want it from seeing,
3: you. if you're interested in seeing good adaptations of Much to Do About Nothing, we've got the 1990s. Emma Thompson, Kenneth Branagh version with um, Denzel Washington
1: as Don Pedro.
2: Yes. And And Keanu Reeves Reeves. Reeves. (laughs) as Don John. And and that was the start of the brooding Don Johns. Yes.
1: Uh, Because Keanu Reeves broods so
3: well. He broods well. well. He broods very um, well. well. If you can get it, the Catherine Tate
1: and David Tennant version is right. pretty good. Right. The Joss
3: um, Whedon. The, the
2: Joss Whedon Much Ado really, that really has... Been uh, there
1: are some characters in there I find to be very, very good. There are some things in there that I'm like, I really,
2: really sure. I really... I really like the way that the contrast between Branagh's Much Ado with the misogyny and Branagh... Branagh forefronts it. Especially in the mm-hmm. wedding scene. He brings the misogyny of Messina out in spades and smacks you in the face with it and Whedon tones it down. Well, and Whedon, Whedon goes...
1: Whedon's modernizing it and you need to
2: tone it down from... But, no, but, Whedon, but Whedon takes the same text and softens... Mm-hmm. softens it to the point where these men are not terrible. Because they it are, can be
1: softened.
3: It very most, much can yeah, be softened. They're mostly lashing out in pain...
2: It's, it's hurt it's instead hurts. of anger.
3: And on Claudio's end and it, on Leonti's end.
2: Leonatus. Leonatus. Oh, we gotcha.
3: <laughs>
2: but no, and it matters. Yeah. That, that <laughs> distinction, that difference matters. No, it does. And it does. for you to hear more about why it matters, we'll eventually get to this with another Party Bird podcast. But I think for now, since we've been at this for another hour and 15 minutes or so, approximately. Should we say goodnight, Jeff? I think it's time to say goodnight, Gracie.
3: Plug really fast the web series. Nothing much to do. It's by the Candle Wasters. You can find it on YouTube. It's
2: on the YouTube. It's on the, it's on the I, I
3: will is, be watching
1: it over the next week. And
3: it's yeah, it's check a that out. really, really good
1: modernization
2: oh goodness, of this story. And please, please look forward to further
0: episodes with <laughs> myself, Ryan Halfhill.
3: <laughs> my
2: good
1: friend.
0: Beth Roars.
1: I'm Cassie Greenley,
0: And I'm your producer, Chase Greenley. Thank you for joining us. Good night. Good
1: night. Good night.
0: Good night.
1: Good night.
2: Good night. Good night.